This morning, we're going to take a look at Abraham and Lot, but let us first pray. Father God, we want to thank you that we are here today. We want to come to know you better through your word. We pray that you would open them, our ears and our eyes and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us today. Amen. Have you ever seen those adverts for an amazing holiday for only £100? You know, the ones with the fantastic beaches and the amazing food. You sign up, you pay your money, and you can get two weeks anywhere in the world, all-inclusive. In reality, the chances of you enjoying well, a two-week sun-soaked holiday on a fabulous resort with amazing food are pretty well zero. Should you pay your money and take your chances, you'll probably end up in a grotty room above a nightclub with a scenic view of a brick wall, with some uninvited creepy crawly guests and food that may well kill. <laughs> These details may well have been in the small print, but in the excitement and promise of a wonderful holiday, you probably overlook them. Now, this scenario is probably not that far removed from our story today, in and amongst all those difficult kings. If you've not been here for the last few weeks, you'll have missed the story so far of Abraham and his family leaving Ur and eventually arriving at the start of the Promised Land. But you can catch up on our podcasts on the website, and I'd encourage you to do so if you've missed any. But today, we will pick up the story from the end of last week when we saw how Abraham and Lot parted company because their combined flocks had proved too much for the land to cope with. If you remember, disagreements between Lot's entourage and Abraham's made life difficult, and Lot had done nothing to resolve the situation. So Abraham very graciously gave his, decided that they would go their separate ways, and he gave Lot first choice. Easy. So Lot looked around and chose for himself the most luscious, easy land that he could have. And he moved his whole family out to the Jordan Valley and camped on the plains somewhere near Sodom. I'm wondering if perhaps what went through Lot's mind was something like this. This is great. Abraham's God has evidently addled his brain. He's letting me choose. Hills or lush plains? I mean, look at this land. No more famine. I'll make a fortune. I'll wait till we get to those cities. I'll bet they'll be impressed with me. No more smelly sheep. The wife will be delighted. I'm going to put my feet up and enjoy life with the best it has to offer. But what about Abraham? After God Lot left, God spoke to Abraham and told him that he would take possession of all the land as far as he could see in every direction. So he moved his camp to Hebron, which is about 150 miles away from Lot, and he settled there. As was his custom, he built an altar and worshipped God. So now to the story that we've just heard. Lot had moved to the plains between the cities of Sodom, Gomorrah, Admar, Zeboim, and Bela. These cities were an open home for their extreme wickedness and flagrant sin against the Lord. In fact, they were an open rebellion against their overlords, the four kings led by Kedorlaomer. It's worth taking a few moments to consider the battle. 
the five kings had decided to rebel against the four kings by not sending up their annual tribute. So the four came collecting, and thus a battle ensued. But this was a battle that the five should have won, as they enjoyed at least three advantages. Firstly, they were fighting on their home turf, so they should have known the area like the back of their hands. Secondly, they had recourse to X resources from home, and they may well have outnumbered their enemies. And thirdly, their enemies had been at war for at least a year, so they would have been really weary. A year would have given the five plenty of time to prepare. So why did they lose? Well, we can see from their reputation that they were primarily focused on having a good time and living for today. Their motto seems to be, let's eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow, who knows? Who cares? It seems they had no plan to defend themselves. Their armies weren't ready. Rather, they were carousing and drinking. So when the, in their panic, it is small wonder that when they were attacked, they could only flee. And in their panic, their own kings led some of them into the tar pits on their own doorstep to escape. It was certainly only by God's grace that they were not slaughtered and lived to return home. But God's warning appears to have had no lasting effect on them, as we will see in a couple of weeks' time. Let's turn our attention to Lot. Of all the miles and miles of pasture land before him, Lot chose to settle on the plains near Sodom. Sadly, there's no record that he did as his uncle had done and built an altar to the Lord. He certainly no, there's no record that he worshipped him. However, now in verse 12, we find that he has finally moved himself and his family into the city of Sodom. Presumably, he was doing so well that he could afford to leave his work to all the herdsmen. The way of life of Sod in Sodom evidently attracted and beckoned him in. Now that's the way it happens. Little by little, we allow sin to creep into our lives. Most people don't wake up and say, I'm going to destroy my life and family today. No, it's an accumulation of the little things that add up and eventually lead us off God's plan. At this point in the story, you may well be thinking, well, we don't live in Sodom. Southbourne's quite a nice area. But today, we are even more connected to the rest of the world than ever before. Today, it comes to us. We are bombarded by thousands upon thousands of adverts every day, promising us a better, more fulfilled and happier life. If we would only buy, watch, fill in your own blank. Maybe for you, it's the need for the latest, newest gadget, car, addition to your hobby. Or perhaps it's something far more subtle which entices you away from God. The types of book you read, the films you watch, or maybe in the conversations that you have, which may include gossip or a little bit of grumbling. Before Christmas, as part of my course, I had to do a short talk which happened to focus on the grumbling Israelites. During the preparation, it became evident just how much I had let grumbling become part of my conversations. God graciously opened my ears so that I would hear how negative my thoughts and words had become. But so it is with any other sin. Bit by bit, what we knew was wrong yesterday 
doesn't seem quite so bad today. Indeed, we suffered no repercussions, and we might even After all, everyone else is doing exactly the same thing. But day by day, our conscience is numb, and we become deaf to the convictions of the Holy Spirit. And then one day, we discover that we look just like the world around us. Nobody would know that we're Christians other than we choose to spend our Sundays here. We don't think it'll happen to us. It's so easy to believe that we are immune to the sins that befall others. Perhaps just like Lot, who was so focused on doing well for himself that he became blind to the consequences of his choices. But we should heed the warnings of 1 Corinthians 15, which tells us not to be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. It is said that we become like the five people that we spend the most time with. We take on their habits and their actions. And equally, how we behave affects those whom we associate with. Anyway, Lot is enjoying his life in Sodom, despite knowing the city is on a countdown to war. He would have realised that the day would soon be here when the mighty four would turn up. Now, he could have moved away out of danger, but instead he stayed. He doesn't appear to worry that he could have but along with his family. He's prepared to take the risk and remain. But suddenly the city is overrun and Lot, his family and all his possessions are taken into slavery. He has lost everything. We see the same thing today. I'm reminded of an incident during 9-11. One of the traders was on the phone making a massive financial deal when the planes hit the building. Instead of leaving, he decided to keep on with the phone call and close the deal. But others were trying to drag him away. But still he stayed. One more big deal. He never left his desk. It would be good to ask ourselves, have I been in a situation where God has clearly told me to leave, but still I stay? We could say that Lot had been enslaved, not just by the four kings, but also by his own sin. He had been captured by an enemy and couldn't escape on his own. He needed someone who cared for him more than their own life. And in Lot's case, that was Abraham. This is where we see the difference between Lot and Abraham. When the servant escapes to find him, you see that Lot is known as Abraham the Hebrew which indicated that he was living a totally different life to the one around, to those around. By his accusers, he was a professional shepherd, not a professional warrior. But by his accumulated wealth, he had been able to equip 318 of his servants to be soldiers. And by his good standing in the community, he had enlisted help from others who were prepared to risk everything to join him to save Lot. Now, Abraham and his men ambushed and defeated the four kings and their armies, all on their way back home. So at night, they, they surrounded them and brought back everything, all their goods and everyone who had been taken slaves, including Lot. So why did Abraham do it? Was it just because Lot was his nephew? I think it was maybe more than that. Abraham was in covenant with God. And this was something he took very seriously. 
The covenant included all those who went with him and were considered part of his entourage. So that included Lot and his family, almost whether Lot knew it or not. We see this in the story of Joshua, when Joshua declares, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is one of the differences between the Old and the New Testament. When I became a Christian, it didn't automatically follow that everyone in my household was saved. None of us. We can't buy a family ticket to heaven. Through Jesus, each one of us has to come to a believing faith in Christ for ourselves. It's not something that our husband, our wife, our father or our mother can do for us. We must do it for ourselves. Now Lot was almost by default in covenant with God, so he would benefit from God's protection as well as his, his teaching through experience. The fact that Lot chose to go off to Sodom demonstrated that he really didn't know God like Abraham did. He preferred the things of the world to the things of God. At no point in this story do we see Lot calling out to God to rescue him. However, much later in 2 Peter 2, we are told that Lot was considered righteous by God, which means that he was still in covenant with him. Now, this is the first recorded battle in the Bible because it involves God's people. And it is really important to notice that this rescue mission <laughs> demonstrates that God will go to extreme lengths to save his people. He sent Jesus to save us, so he sent Abraham to save Lot. It's as if Abraham is a kind of Jesus in this story. Quite frankly, in the army, it's crazy to go into battle with a mere 318 soldiers against four winning armies. However, Abraham had God on his side, and we see the incredible outcome of this. Abraham didn't just save Lot and a few others. He rescued everyone and all their possessions. This speaks to the fact that when God saves, he totally saves. His miracles are far more than we can hope for, and they are always more generous than we can expect. So how did this rescue affect Lot? You would have thought that he would have realized that his poor choices meant that he had lost everything that he went to the plains of Jordan to, to gain. And after all, God in this is giving him a warning so it's astonishing to me that Lot chose to take his family straight back to Sodom, as we will see next week. He'd obviously learned nothing from at this point at all. So how about us? What can we learn from this story? Well, I think we have three questions that we can ask ourselves. The first one is, who do I follow? When Abraham and Lot parted to go their own separate ways, there was no fence between them and there was no middle ground. In essence, we can see there are only two choices. Either we choose the way a choose the direction to follow God and be obedient to him, or we choose the direction that Lot decided on and choose the things that the world has to offer. There is no fence for us to sit on hoping that we can choose at the last minute, or indeed that we should never choose. We can hope that we can stand before God on Judgment Day and say, I didn't choose, but it doesn't work like that. By not choosing God, we automatically choose the alternative. 
Now, if you are here today and have not chosen to follow God, I would strongly urge you to seek out somebody, whether Matt or Mike or one of the leaders or even a Christian that you know and trust here. Somebody who can help you fully understand what it means to follow Jesus. The second thing we can ask ourselves is, does every aspect of my life reflect Jesus? How Abraham and Lot led their lives reflected who they believed in. And we've seen how the company we keep and how we choose to spend our time, money and resources will speak volumes as to how we truly think what is most important to us. So just as Abraham was called to give up his own life and then to follow God, we too must take our, our each day, examine our life and, and give up some of our attitudes and behaviours along with no doubt some of our things and replace them with what God wants us to do. Like Lot and Abraham, we will live with the consequences of our choices. In essence, we are told today to be salt and light to the world, those in the world around us. But you can't salt part of a, a dish without salting all of it. So our whole lives need to reflect Jesus, not just bits of them. And finally, will I go to war for those I care for? Perhaps you have friends or relatives who have behaved much like Lot and you've rescued them from many bad situations, yet still they return to their same poor choices. Now this is the time to intercede for them. Abraham gathered 318 soldiers and some friends, but we have recourse to our Christian brothers and sisters who will go to war in prayer for God's rescue. Now surely that will be a prayer that God would love to answer. After all, he is our rescuer. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can learn truth from you in every part of the Bible. Thank you that we can never fall so far that we are beyond your rescue. In a moment of silence, we lift to you those who are living like Lot and we have been praying for. Lord, we want to go to battle for each and every one, trusting that you will not lose anyone whom you have already predestined for glory. Jesus, we would also ask that you would open our eyes so that we can recognise those things that we have let draw us away from you. Bring us to a place where we can repent of them and turn back to you with our whole hearts. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. <laughs>